Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. Here we go. It's How We Seize It, episode 89. We're doing The Fifth Element. This was a 1997 release movie. Um, uh, I, I didn't realize this until I started uh, checking out other things, that this was very controversial, or not controversial, but just very divided. You either loved it or hate it. Polarizing, uh, kind of yeah. I heard, I, I Polar. heard polarizing a lot, yeah. Yeah, um, I did not. I'm like, who doesn't like this movie? I'm like, I I think you can kind of look at you know I I I was a loved it. I think you were a loved it. Um, but you look at someone like Trick, Chris Tucker's performance, and some people think it's hilarious, and some people say, uh, no, that's pretty ridiculous. Goes a little too far. But I I'm thinking that that style that that the director chose is what created a polarizing. Uh, to me, response. it's one character that's in I, part of the movie. That's I was just I, I understood, and, and yeah, people said I can understand it. Being I'm not annoying. saying even. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying it's him. I'm just using that as an example because <laughs> I, I think a gotcha. lot of the movie made made those sort of liberties and kind of threw things in your face a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, this is this is such a just a fun romp, but people, you know, I was really surprised on the meta score. Like I was looking on IMDb, and you know, it it has a pretty decent IMDb. It's a seven out of uh, seven point seven, but the meta score is like a fifty. Too. And I'm like, why is that so low? And I was looking at it, and there's a lot of high praise for it, and then there's a couple of just flat zeros, and like just like it, like it's the worst piece of trash out there. And I'm like, how can I mean, if this if you think this is that bad, what movie do you like? Because I want to know. Because well, so it's kind of like YouTube trolls, you know, people troll. <laughs> this is I mean, you I think of the same year when this was nominated for a lot of awards. I think it actually was the first movie that year to uh, premiere at the Cannes Film Festival, you know, so a big, yeah. a big fe festival like that. And yet at the same time, it had a lot of nominations for what they call them, the Raspberry Awards, right, where they the the worst movie awards, you know. So, oh, OK, so again, you're going on different extremes, but um I, I think it's fair, but it, yeah, maybe it's kind of the birth of the internet trolls uh, prior to maybe. being around. I, I would just, like I said, if if you don't like this movie, or I mean, not that if you don't like it, but if you really think it's that horrible, I would like to understand what you liked because I just don't get it. <laughs> to me, this is, it's not the greatest film. I'll, I, I won't say that for sure, but it is not a horrible film by any means. So interesting enough. But anyways, uh, how are you been? How's things going? I've been good. That's true. We really haven't talked about ourselves lately. We've been doing a lot of we've been doing a lot of, uh, of the the big group ones. So yeah, I never quite talk about how we're doing. Talk how about we're ourselves. Feeling. We don't talk about our feelings. I um, know. Uh, no, I've been good. I've been I've been uh, doing a lot of uh, doing a lot of running. I'm trying to get my running game back up. I've got a half marathon scheduled in a little bit, so I've been putting in about 25 miles a week, which it's. It's interesting because, you know, I used to do a lot more running and I did, I remember I even trained for a marathon. I ran a marathon, one marathon, but, but you do that, you have to do a lot of running to get yourself prepared. And that means a lot of time. I'm surprised yeah. now I'm just, I'm just training for a half marathon, but even with a half marathon, it seems like oh, I got to get out. It's going to take me. Okay. I'm going to be gone for an hour and a half on my run. 
uh, yeah. you know, every every day or every other day, and uh, it, it's kind of it, a different. It, it uh... is time consuming. <laughs> I remember um, I would I was gonna do a, a bike ride. It's a it was a century ride, so a hundred miles, and um, I remember trying to get ready for that and in amount of riding I was doing in a week. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. And and I, as much as I was doing, I don't, I don't think I was doing too much. But I, I still wasn't ready for it when it came up. There was a certain couple certain parts where I just, I just <laughs> didn't have the juice towards yeah. the end. And yeah. and it is. But yeah, you you got to put your body into it and get ready. I'm I'm glad that you're doing. I I wish I could. I don't think I ran 25 miles total my my entire life. <laughs> um, it's just not my thing. No, I, I probably ran. I used to run a lot when I was younger. Um. Actually, before I went into uh, boot camp, I yeah, was running a sure. couple, uh, couple miles a day, um, just not, just getting out and doing it. Um, but yeah, no, running's not for me. I, I would love to get back into bike riding, though. Uh, that's that was always fun for me. The hard part is is I found if I don't have someone to ride with, it gets really boring, and <laughs> those hours become way longer, and so it's it's just a lot harder. I don't know. You got your podcast. You should. Uh, you know, for, for me. <laughs> I used to run on my own a lot, and then a few years back, I started running with a with a with a friend, and it was actually, I, I think I prefer doing it on my own. I get to set my own okay. pace, get to listen to music, or just kind of listen to my own thoughts and come up. You know, yeah. actually, I've you know what was it last week when we were doing Spinal Tap? I most of the things I came up with to talk about was when I was running. I was running and just kind of oh. <laughs> pouring through some of the ideas I had and taking them, you know, and so every once in a while I went on a little rant that was just a regurgitating what I was thinking while I was on my run. So No, that's perfect. <laughs> I used to do that on the motorcycle a lot too, but I, I have to watch uh, if I don't have music going, my, my the voices in my head start talking too much and then I start going down <laughs> rabbit holes and next thing I'm not paying attention. So yeah, um, before we get too much into this, I, I want to get our drinks out of the way. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm I'm gonna let you go first, and All then right. uh, and then I'll hit up mine. All right, I'm doing. So one of the things that I uh, I, I came up with my own drink. It's not it's not too uh, too crazy, and there's probably some recipes that are very similar to it. But I was basing mine off the fact that uh, uh, Corbin Dallas and uh, Lilu's wardrobe are kind of in sync with this very orange creamsicle style of appearance. And every time I look at them, it looks like, it reminds me of when I was a kid eating those orange creamsicle, <laughs> those popsicles with the orange and the, and the, right, and the vanilla right. on the inside. And so I decided I was gonna come up with a, with a, with a cocktail based on that. So, so I, and I made it vodka based, which is uh, kind of a, a nod to um, uh, the main character, Mila um, Jovovich oh. is, I mean, I think she was born in, in U Ukraine, but uh, was raised in Moscow. So so vodka was my, my spirit of choice. But then from there, I, I used an orange liqueur, uh, which triple sec, and um, and some orange juice and uh, put a little bit of, of that... Um, vanilla ice cream my my son made last week which was oh, nice. which is kind of like some heavy cream and i i shook that up and then i topped it off with a little bit of um uh, a splash of of orange cream soda and then i garnished i went crazy with the garnish i put a <laughs> scoop of orange sherbet and a, a scoop of that vanilla ice cream and then i even went to the store and got some, um, a cream got some cream, a cre orange creamsicle so you can check the uh when you post the the pictures yeah you, I, I, it's all in there i garnished the hell out of it so so and, and you know this movie it's almost like it's a sci-fi movie but you know if you it's like having a whole bunch. It's like being on a sugar high. So it is. It, it um, is. So this is my colorful nod to uh, 
to Lilu and Corbin. That's what I think I called nice. it. My Lilu and Corbin orange creamsicle um, cocktail. So cheers. Nice. <laughs> Nice. That's good. That, I put that it in the freezer because really... it was starting to melt. So, um, <laughs> <it's all good. laughs> that sounds really cool. Uh, you could even went with like a, a vanilla vodka would have been really good in that too. Yeah. I have but vanilla. It's in probably it, too sugary. It's, it's probably too ice sugary. Cream, so, yeah. Yeah. It might already be too sugary or too sweet. <laughs> no, that sounds good. I too would try to create my own and this is, this was my rabbit hole for the week. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I did my first, I did my search to see what else was out there and, and I wasn't finding what I wanted. I found some things that were named good and stuff like that, but nothing that really, really struck me as like, oh, I want to do that. So I got down the idea of I wanted to do the five elements, right? I wanted <laughs> to do the fire, water, you know, um, earth and, and uh, air. And so then I started, that's, that's four the, of them. The fifth okay. one is, is, is Lilu herself. Or, or the superior being, or however you want or to call love. it. It's or love. Or love between them. Yeah. Love is another one. Um, so I started looking at that, and mostly what I was finding, fire was the hard one for me. Fire, uh, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of cinnamon drinks out there. And I was like, I, I'm just not a cinnamon fan. I'm not a... So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, so let me... That's one of my bad party stories where, yeah, I started <laughs> making shots of what's the cinnamon whiskey, the... Oh, uh, the fireball? Fire... Oh, oh, yeah. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. Yeah. Good call. So I almost, Good call on avoiding I that. almost went with that. But then I was looking around and I found a couple things. And the first thing I found was this stuff called rum fire. And it's a uh, rum out of Jamaica and it's an overproof rum, which means it's, it's very high in alcohol. I believe it's like 67% alcohol or 63% alcohol. It is very high in alcohol. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. I, I, it's rum. I like rum. Okay. No problem. Uh, I found a vodka. It's a round rock uh, vodka out of uh, Texas, which I was like, okay, that 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 works for my my uh, earth, you know. So I got my my fire and my earth, and I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do for water and air? I couldn't find anything out there specifically, but then I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? A water and an air combination is basically just a carbonated water. You got right? lots of so that. I got, so I I was gonna go with that, but then I went, well, I gotta make this alcohol. So I got a a seltzer. A, um, basically, I, I went and got a white claw uh, that had both the water and the and the air in it combined. So that's that's part of it. Nice. And uh, but I went with a uh, ruby grapefruit. Uh, ruby, nice, nice. So I'm like, oh, so I got that, and and I started thinking, well, I got Dallas, I got, I got you know Texas. Well, Dallas is in Texas, so that that kind of covers my my Corbin Dallas. I got my ruby ruby rod, and then so I had the four elements, and then I just needed that final fifth element. I found a, uh, it's called a fiery ginger beer. And uh, so I'm like, that's just perfect. Covers her, uh, Lilu's hair. You know, <laughs> she's kind of a fiery redhead a little bit or orange head kind of. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to mix those together. I'm thinking this sounds great. I even added, uh, so how I started this off is I did some fresh grease grapefruit. Uh, put that in. I did an ounce of the rum fire and an ounce of the, the vodka. And then... Uh, I started off with an ounce of the the uh, white claw, and then it, uh, basically topped it off with the the ginger beer. That was so strong. Um, <laughs> apparently, the rum is basically all alcohol. It is it is about as close to like a Everclear. Proof. <laughs> Holy crap! I was like, whoa, this is way too strong. So I added more of the white claw. So I ended up going with about a one ounce rum, one ounce vodka, three ounces of the the. Uh, ruby grapefruit white claw topped with the ginger beer 
still was like way too much. I'm like, this is kicking my ass still. It's like so hard to drink. Like if you inhaled coming up to that, it just took your breath away. I'm like, okay. So then I added some grenadine just to kind of to tone it down just a little <laughs> bit and, and it came up with it. Um, but it still is not too bad. And then I garnished it with a, uh, a uh, piece of uh, actual uh, grapefruit. Uh, one of the little slices or wedges or whatever they call them. I don't know what, peeled it and pulled one apart and squeezed the rest. But yeah, I was so surprised with that rum. Oh my God, it is like, it is the strongest shit I've had in the long, like it reminded me of like Bacardi 151. It is like, you you, you don't want to smoke near that because it's going to go up in flames. It is so, <laughs> so, but it's still pretty tasty, but that's my, that's my uh, uh, fifth element drink. Nice. And with that, you can uh, fight off all the uh, all the evil that's yeah. coming at us. Yeah, but he, he, I was able to get all the, the the four the four regular elements, and then and then the Lilu, and then I was also able to get uh, Ruby Rod and Dallas Corbin in there together, or uh, Corbin Dallas, sorry. Uh, so I thought that was just it kind of worked out really good. But it took me a while to just to find the different you know drinks or the alcohols to do that. I did find one that was made that it, it was it's actually pretty cool. They actually cut the top off of a, a grapefruit and kind of scoop it out and muddle the rest in and then pour the, the alcohol back into the grapefruit and you drink it like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Not sure what it has to do with the fifth element, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. Um, and I, to me doing this, I was kind of like, yeah, I want to start kind of like you did, you know, make up your own. And, and I just got to get out of my head like sticking too harsh to uh the hard code it's hard to to stick to a hard pattern of something and then make a good alcohol drink from it <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> i could have made some crazy shit like cinnamon and vodka and all kinds of other you know but i was like no i kind of want this to be drinkable um so i almost got there mine was very drinkable and it's all gone so i might have to yeah. sneak out here in a little bit and like pour myself a beer or something to... <laughs> Yeah, mine it's drinkable now, but like I said, I had to, I had to dilute it quite a bit from the 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 rum, and uh, add that grenadine to sweet it up. Uh, my wife actually, she ha I made one for her too, and and she was saying that uh, just a simple syrup might be better than the grenadine because she's not a big grenadine fan. Um, but I like the color it gave it to. It kind of gave it a nice kind of a grapefruity color. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Nice. All right. All right, well, let's get into this uh, before we get too far, because I forgot to do it at the beginning, because I'm a horrible host like that, but I'm the main host, Noah. <laughs> I'm the one that forgets to do things, and with me again today, as always, is my main man, Steve. Hi, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he beat me to it. Anyways, uh, that's us, and we're the, the part of the How We Seize It crew. You can always reach us at our Facebook group, uh, How We Seize It podcast, or on Instagram at... Uh, the HWSI podcast, um, or you can email us at the dot HWSI dot podcast at gmail.com. Uh, wherever you listen to your, your podcast, please rate review and subscribe. It really uh, helps us out a lot. Uh, I check that stuff all the time just to see if anybody's listening. Uh, one of the uh, kind of cool and, and hopefully whoever this is, if you hear me, I've, um, in the in the podcast uh, analysis stuff that we get, we can kind of see where people are listening from, and so I noticed just over the last couple months we've we've been getting someone in Hawaii that's been listening, like you know it's kind of regular download. So I don't think it's just a one person. So like uh, listening to one episode. So we have maybe a listener in Hawaii. If, if I bet do, I know who that, that is. Actually, a guy, oh, I work, a guy I work with, uh, he moved to Hawaii about uh, a month ago, 
And oh, really? Okay. I wonder if he's down. Yeah, because I, uh, I, I, yeah, he. I worked with him closely. We have the same job, but uh, and he's still working for the college, but uh, he's doing it all remote from his Hawaii. That might be him. His, then, his yeah. abode in Hawaii. Yeah, might be. Because <laughs> it just showed up about a month ago, um, and it's kind of regular downloads. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. We got a we got a listener in Because that's I, shout I, out I, to Brandon. So maybe you can <laughs> uh, you can uh, let me know if you heard that message, and uh, and then we'll know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, Anybody who wants to email and let us uh, or hit us up on the Facebook group or anywhere and let us know where you're listening from, that would be really awesome. Um, you know, we're not going to probably ever do a Patreon or anything like that, but it'd be it'd be cool to hear from people that are listening. Uh, send us emails. Tell us we were wrong. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, give us a drink suggestion, a movie suggestion, anything. We just love to hear that there's out there's someone else out there uh, listening. Yeah, you know, right. I'm going on, on the Google here and I'm just putting in HWSI. <laughs> And it comes with High Tech World Service Incorporated. So, but if you do HWSI space podcast, podcast, we are the first one that shows up. So, <laughs> we're making our rounds. That's we're right. getting out there. Um, yeah, we're getting close to that hundredth episode. We got to figure out. I was kind of, I was contemplating that today, and um, I wonder if we could do a uh, like a Facebook Live one, maybe. Maybe isn't that near your half one hundredth birthday? as well uh, you know, so well if we go by if we oh geez yes you're right if i think i was like that's about I thought 11 we were later weeks the, away but i don't know when yeah <laughs> my birthday is about 11 weeks away <laughs> oh, so, oof. maybe maybe we just do a big live party podcast and <laughs> and have everybody involved that oh my god okay we'll, we'll we'll figure it out um but yeah, so let's get back into the fifth element. Um, do you remember uh, how you first saw it? Did you were you able to watch this in the theater? Do you I think, was. Or yeah. You? Um, you know, I was, I was newly, I what, a couple years married, and um, Cindy and I. It's, it, it kind of fit into both of our uh, realms of enthusiastic. Uh, you know that we're enthusiastic <laughs> about going and seeing. We we have very different tastes, so it's nice to it's nice to find something we're both excited about. Uh, you know. Um, it, it reminded to me. I, I saw the trailer, and it kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Brazil, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, kind oh, of that, yeah, yeah. That, that sort of off, offbeat uh, style. Uh, had some great special effects, and uh, and Bruce Willis. He was coming off of some, you know, diehard fame. Um, mm -hmm. I even though he's kind of Hudson a, Hawk. I think. Uh, yeah, he had some bad movies too, right before this. <laughs> so, um, but. Uh, but I was really excited to see it, and we got to yeah. We I think we saw it in the opening week. Went to the theater. Oh okay. So, I you know to tell you the truth, I'm not sure if I saw this in the theater. I don't remember. I remember watching this a ton um, mm -hmm. when it came out. After like you know, it was one of those movies that if it was on TV and I I rolled past it, I stopped and I watched. Sure. Um, matter of fact, when I went to watch this again, I I pulled, I started shuffling through my my DVDs and Blu-rays, and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh. Then I started thinking about, it, like, oh, that's right, I had this on VHS. <laughs> so um, I actually had to go buy it again, which I'm I'm totally okay with. Uh, I was able to order it and get it the next day from from Amazon, and uh, sat down immediately and watched it that night with the with the list of my wife, and totally enjoyed it from start to finish again. Like I always did, and, and we were talking about it. She's like, I'm surprised we didn't have that on, on Blu-ray or something like that. She goes, because I remember watching, she remembered watching it sure. multiple times with me. Yeah. Um, well, this is what, yeah, with channel, channel surfing, you'd spot it a lot. Because I think it hit the TV. still. 
Yeah. On uh, I was I was trying to find where to watch it because it's not on any streaming service right now, but uh-huh. it was on like Bravo, or. Uh, <laughs> Uh, another channel and i looked at and it had like it was playing like every other day um like nice. throughout the week and i was like holy okay so it's like in full like regular rotation on a <laughs> network we went to my brother-in-law's uh, house this last weekend he lives in reno he had a house built a few years ago um he's pretty successful yeah. younger than me but retired already uh, off of his uh, his spoils but uh, he has a theater room and, and, a, and a couple days before we left he sent an email basically saying uh, asking if there was any movies we wanted to watch in the theater room and <laughs> he had a whole list of them and he said he wanted to kind of have a heads up because he basically downloads them and they take they can take hours to download because they're big huge files he's not he's showing them and you know he's got a theater room that, that shows them in kind of 4k surround sound and so so the file size is really big but he had fifth element on the list and i was like fifth element please so i got to watch it again this weekend in his big theater room it was it was it was fun to watch it was a great presentation just just like seeing it in the theater again so anybody watch it with you uh his his wife uh and uh my mother-in-law was there too who had never seen it before and it was funny because uh it was just the three of us watching it, but my wife uh, said she didn't think her mom was going to like it. I don't think you're going to go for it. And I said, I think she might. And she ended up actually enjoying it. She's not a big, she doesn't like violent movies. She doesn't like uh, sci-fi stuff. But to me, to, to her, she she just had a lot of fun with this. So, um, Yeah, I don't see that. I mean, there's a, some violence, but not a, it's not over-the-top violent or anything like that. No, um, no. I think it's more a campy violence in a campy. way. Campy, that's a good word, yeah. Yeah, I um, we totally enjoyed it, and, and uh, you know, and usually my wife doesn't like watching movies over, you know, multiple times, even a second time. Usually, it's it's rough for her. She's like, I've seen it once, I don't need to see it again. I'm like, okay, but she sat and enjoyed it with us, and and we laughed about some of the stuff, and and it brought back a lot of memories of just seeing it the other times before, and how much I liked certain parts and stuff like that, and and watching it with the, the new kind of podcast eye. I picked up on a couple different things. I was watching more background stuff and there's (laughs) so much stuff in this was, was just so really cool and laid out really well. One of the things that uh, I noticed and, and someone acknowledged in, in when, when I was reading or listening to something that um, the director wanted to uh, make sure that he filmed all of the, like the space scenes and all this stuff in bright daylight. Like, yeah. So he wanted to do all of his shots during the day. Because he was sick he was, as a drab uh, sci-fi yeah. film noir style. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows through the whole thing because the whole thing is very, very, I mean, other than like, like the airport scene, it, everything else really well lit. Um, yeah. And, 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 and in Technicolor with uh, kind of all these right. flashy colors all over the place. You know, that was uh, a big part of it. And one of the reasons I think he did the airport scene the way he did was there was actually a cut section from it and a cut uh, people. They were supposed to be like a, a garbage something strike, and that's why there's all the garbage around there. Um, but it was a section of the movie that got removed or a story that got removed but was still part of the film in a way. Uh, one of the things I learned is that this this um, supposedly was written by uh, Luke Benson. Benson, I don't know how you say French Benson in French. Luke Besson. Besson. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, so apparently he wrote this as a teenager yeah. and worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And when he finally got it up close to being done, uh, it was a 400-page script. <laughs> and so 
realistically it was designed to be about three movies and he kind of cut it down and cut it down and cut it down to got to get the one movie and stuff like that so i think it played out really well um you could have stretched it out would it have done as well i don't know i think it i think it all played out really well the way it is i think yeah it sounded like he hired you know he hired an art director art director you know some or he was looking at some comic book styles and mm-hmm. uh, the the Valorium, you know, he has this later movie, the the Valorium, is that what it's called? Valorium and the, yeah. and the, and the planets or something like that. Um, that uh, some of this was kind of based off a comic book that uh-huh. uh, artists that, that designed some of that stuff or that uh, illustrated that. And I think in conversations with him, they actually changed some of the story to make Corbin Dallas the cab driver that was something that kind of was pulled out of the comics because of the, comics, of the art yeah. direction and how that would that would add to the uh, to you know the visuals and uh, his you know this director it's funny I, I think of more of his pat his movies since then as opposed to his previous movies because his previous movies he did was he did the professional or Leon the professional mm-hmm. and uh, which was that was actually was right cool. before this I believe it was a few years before but that's where Gary yeah. Oldman that's where his you know, I think he, they were friends <laughs> before that but uh, um, but it got him from there and uh, La Femme Nikita which I th- I saw that in the theater too which they actually made that which was a French movie subtitles is one of the first subtitle movies I ever saw but they actually made that into an American movie Point of No Return. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had some success, but since then he's gone on to be a lot more kind of wild. He's, he's much more of a visual director and maybe that's because of the success of this, but yeah, maybe. even this, you, if you look at the story, this is one of those movies that can, that gets away with really kind of a ridiculous plot that you can find holes all over the place, but you just kind of choose to ignore it because it's fun, you know. Yeah. Everything's fun. You, you're 100 percent right. You could, you could, and this is where I think when when critics talk about not liking it, they're being super, super critical. They're like, they're you know, they're just tearing apart any little thing they can instead of like looking that this is just made for pure enjoy. It's not not a foolproof story because yeah, you can shoot holes in it. It plays a lot of homage to to the comics that it was told from. Um, I can't think of the guy's name offhand, but he go he went by Morbius. Uh, he was a comic book writer. Yeah, that's... and and he took a bunch of that. Which interesting thing is, so he actually hired them, um, him and one other uh, comic book writer, to be part of this. Then lately, later tried to sue him, Benson, uh, because stealing his ideas, and they're like, um. But you were hired to be part of this. How are you going to sue after the fact? You got thrown out. You got thrown out, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, come on. Um, so yeah, the, there's there's a bunch of interesting things that's happened since this. Apparently, too, uh, not not to try and bring up bad shit, but uh, Luc Besson is apparently the French version of um, oh, I can't think of it, uh, Weinstein. Apparently, oh. he's been accused of a bunch of stuff recently. <laughs> I well, it, you know, Mila Jovovich was was married at the time, yeah. but she ended up dumping her then husband and married him, married the director. I thought it was the other. I thought it was the other way around. He was married, and he dumped his wife to marry I her. Think, oh, you're you're yeah, that's right. I, I think it was both. I think she might have been married too. But uh, but you're she right was. Because, because he cast his his then wife as the opera singer. That's right. So she ended up getting, from what I heard, she ended up getting that position because the original person no-showed on him for oh, filming. Okay. And so she ended up playing the, the physical part of the diva. The the, the vocals and, and stuff were done uh, by another woman, which uh, 
is a whole nother story, which I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if you heard this one. I didn't, no. When uh, the music director had the written stuff and the notes and showed it to the, the lady that sung it, she goes, this is not humanly possible. And so what they did is they did the notes individually and then uh, mixed them together um, to, to do the song. I did I did actually hear about this, and I heard the, the composer, he was actually, he wrote it that way. He knew that this was not going to be possible, but he knew that this was also supposed to be an alien singing. Yeah. So he made, it, he made it that way, but he was actually surprised at the things that he thought were impossible that she was still able to sing. Yeah. So props to her for pulling and so. Off. Since then, there's been a couple people, you can find them on YouTube, where there there was an opera uh, lady that went out and did this song by, you know, fully by herself. It it doesn't hit all the notes exactly, but it's pretty close on a lot of them. And so, you know, she just shows that it can be done. And then there was a girl on, um, I can't remember, it's a, a voice, uh, like the voice that we have here, but it's like, might have been Russia or UK, one of, one of the other foreign voice uh, she went out and started singing opera and then did that part of the, the kind of upbeat part as part of her voice uh, audition. I was like, and the, and the girl was like 13 or 14. Like just, I was like, that's cool as shit. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things is that's an iconic moment in this movie that people that have seen it, whether they like it or not, that diva song is one of those most iconic parts of this movie that like, you know, you just talk about that and everybody knows what movie you're talking about. You know, yeah. you do the it, it just everybody remembers that part. This this probably movie more is than full of a else. lot of those unique moments where it, it is so original. It's so it has so many it it it, it brings out the eccentricities in these characters. They're so <laughs> bizarre. Um, that was a, that diva scene. I didn't actually care for that as much, um, but but. To me, there's so many scenes in here that elevate it beyond what I didn't really care for in the movie that it's you, still so rewatchable. You didn't start dancing? You didn't start dancing when she's singing? <laughs> I didn't. No. Your little flappy arm dance? Come on. I, I, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, one of the things that, and this is, it happens in that scene, which is one of those things that I, I caught even more so when I watched it last time. Uh, I love the cut scenes where they're, someone's talking to someone and then it cuts to someone else with the answer kind of like... Um, they do it a couple times, and and one of them is when the you know where they're cutting back and forth between different things going on. One was the opera singer with Lilo fighting the guys in the room. Yeah, and then um, then there's uh, there's other ones where uh, the it's the first time uh, Zorg is is selling the the guns to the the oh I can't think of their names. I've been listening to it all week. They're, it's kind of like um, Mandalores. I think it's Mandalores. That sounds right. Or, something close to that but yeah he when he's selling those and and like he says something and, he, and it cuts to lilo answering but it's it's to a different question and then they talk and then it goes back to the other one and it, i really thought that was such a cool way to do it and they do it a couple times in there i was like that's really like fun and and, and really neat to how they did that yeah I, re I know exactly that scene you're talking about um and she's laughing. She's like, mm -hmm. because, because yeah, and he opens it up and the then case. It cuts, yeah, he opens up the case and shuts the case and then it cuts to her. And, and she's, she's like, laughing about yeah, it. Nope. Yeah, he doesn't got him. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, it's such a cool scene. Um, there, there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, one of the coolest characters in this is one of the early characters we meet. And he's just got a, a very tight, you know, quick scene. But it is delivered so incredibly and so fun that it's like, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. And I actually 
went back and watched it. So it's it's early on when um, Corbin answers his door and it's got oh, the, the. I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about, and so well cast. Yeah, you get. I mean, it looks like the guy's on some sort of crazy drug, um, but but he had he has the. He has the hat. His, the hat, which is painted of, you know, the wall. He's like, so that when, yeah, when Corbin looks through the eye hole, it looks like he's uh, just looking at a wall. But that whole scene is hilarious too, how yeah. Corbin kind of convinces him the gun, the safety's on, I'm going to turn it on yeah. for you. And, then, and <laughs> So funny. And the, guy, the, the way that he's like, he can't, he's, he's like laughing, trying to, yeah. yeah. So funny. And, uh, you know, the, the some people were talking about like why that scene was there. And it's, it's basically to show that, you know, Corbin has a, a a backbone that's just you know he's got that military training. This is kind of to show his character that you know he doesn't you know flinch in the the eye of danger kind of kind of thing. And it, but it's just such a cool funny scene because of the the guy and like he takes the gun from him and he throws all the, the gun in the the big basket of all the other guns and the guys out there dancing and you know and he's like okay well have have a good day kind of thing. <laughs> A lot so, of this movie has those sort of aside scenes that really don't make the, the, the plot move forward, but instead they add character to things. And yeah. that's where this movie succeeds so well. Yeah. Um, um, one, of, one of the criticisms I did here, and it, and it was uh, on one of the podcasts, I listened to two different podcasts that were basically all female uh, people talking. Uh, one was like the Bechtel, Bechtel Test podcast or Bechtel Cop Pat cast or something like that and so they were they were talking about how there's basically one woman in the show and how it's, it's you know just so you know they bash on it a lot about that they, they a lot said of the female still... characters are are are, are like kind of like flight attendants and, and yeah. you know those that those sort of stereotypical um and 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 i understand that in 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 some movies but i was like okay so what i mean what would you change in that to change that i mean it's it's not like it was it's not like it's it's set up to like really be all oh guys this that and I was just it was kind of like okay I I understand the idea behind the Bechtel test and you know female representation in movies but like this is one of those ones where I was like kind of like is it does it really need it is it to, to I mean it, it... I I think it's fair to point that out and uh, I don't think changing some of these characters from you know female to male or male to female would have affected things. Uh, yeah. Considering that they were really amplifying the, the uh, the style and the and the character, it's not it doesn't really mean as much. And so the fact that they did stick to kind of stereotypes, uh, it's fair to to suggest that hey, why why were you so uh, stuck in those ways? But um, at the, you know this is again the mid nineties. There was yeah the late nineties. You know, we're yeah. not in the, we're not in the uh, in the era of now where everyone casts the opposite just to kind of politically correcticize the, uh, well, the master. So but that was my thing is like, if they would have changed things, would have made any different? Would, would you be able to tell the same story if you, if you switched up a bunch of characters just, I have... think you could have. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, they had the, the, the leads were male, female. So you've got kind of a good balance there. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the fifth element was, was a woman. So you're kind of giving the, the ultimate weapon, uh, a, uh, they did bring up a pretty good point and I'll give them this one that the, the, the biggest thing was that like she was powerful but she kind of broke down and she needed his love to to bring her back and i was like okay well, i get that it's a trope but, but i also all the, start... all the stones needed something 
you, the stones wouldn't work on their own. You had to add the element in order to, to make it work. And, uh, and she was convinced that the world wasn't worth saving. So she was kind of basically denying her, her power and saying, nope, yeah. not going to happen. I, I, but, I agree. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking, too, is like it, she wasn't he wasn't saving her in an aspect of that, like she couldn't work on her own, but she was saving her mentally by like letting her know that, you know, not everybody was that bad and stuff like that. I, it's not the same as like the the uh, the damsel in distress kind of thing. And, and you know, uh, it was funny. I had never put two and two together until kind of watching it the last time that it was the 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 love that set her off you know when he said it and it was funny because uh someone pointed it out that the diva is the one that actually told him he's like you know you you need to you need to save her you need to love her um you know uh when she was dying kind of thing mm -hmm. and uh you know it's kind of like oh uh. but yeah I, I didn't even put it together too that yeah that was the the ingredient that needed to be added to her like it was the the water and the stone and the air and and all that that's kind of you know it kind of plays out i i think it was good i, I can understand why people you know if you want to be triggered you're going to be triggered kind of thing could could see the the problem with it but like i don't think it was so overly you know bad that it's like it ruins the movie or you know it's one of those things if you're going to find flaws you're going to find flaws you yeah know? you so um one of the <laughs> one of the other cool parts to me was just the just the colors and and the the direction and art direction of all the things <laughs> one of the things i read was is the um i can't think of his name but he was the guy that came up with all the costumes and and stuff he physically checked like all the extras every day i watched you know? i watched a uh, documentary today that's on youtube and they actually show that where he's where all it's like 900 extras that are coming in for the opera scene and he's standing <laughs> at the door and he won't let them in until he's he's like done his little uh, yeah i mean that's brilliant that's that's great and and you know the the colors and the, you know that was what inspired my drink because alilu and corbin they've got the white and the orange he's got the white mm -hmm. hair and the orange orange shirt and she's got the he's got the orange white. hair and the white uh, the white <laughs> nice. straps or band-aids or whatever you want to call those well but, okay so she had changed from the band-aids by the i know she i know but that's the tank top with the the uh, rubber uh, suspenders, which were also which were also orange, orange. yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but they it was it was crazy those those costumes, the colors, um, but that that also kind of elevated this and put it in a in a in a category of its own because you don't see many movies uh, that really take advantage of colors and style, especially for a sci-fi. They want to go like like you were saying earlier about the 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 daytime shooting. They want to kind of go dark mm -hmm. and 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 gloomy and film noir and 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 Blade Runner, give it like that. Whereas here yeah. it took Blade Blade Runner and turned on all the house lights and said, you know Exactly. <laughs> well it, you know it, it made me think when you first said that yeah it, it's it's Blade Runner mixed with uh, the Teletubbies. You know you got that sun <laughs> that comes up and smiles. Oh yeah and it's just like everything's happy and, yeah. and bright. Well did you see when all the when all the five elements come together the four stones all shoot, uh, shoot primary colors primary colors and then it turns into I, I looked at that originally to uh, do my drink because yeah it's the it's the blue red uh, blue for water red for fire it was green which isn't a primary color for earth it is for light. yellow light light it's green blue and red whereas paint it's it's red blue and yellow yeah 
Okay, uh, so there, so yeah, it mixes the two because yeah, it had the yellow and and then the green, which is what I was actually gonna I was actually gonna do four different shots and then two of them all. <laughs> nice. uh, I almost did that. Uh, the other drink I thought of uh, was uh, was going with a really green um, because of the um, the the it was the ruby and Corbin kind of. Uh, interaction where he, when he's asking him are you green he's like oh super green and that's that that's that kind of yeah i'm good i'm i'm, I'm that's you know so i was gonna go with and I that knew we too. had you do you i knew know you had your midori ready to go for that so. i i literally i was looking at that i was like what else can i mix into this to keep it real green to make it super green um yeah so uh let's talk about some of the characters real quick um yeah. you know we we talked about lilu a little bit we've talked about um corbin so corbin was bruce willis uh mila javoto which I can't say that uh, <laughs> was was yeah Lilo Lilo uh, Gary Oldman was Zorg yeah um, great great character uh, interesting thing I found out is apparently he hates this movie and well he doesn't he like he says yeah he says that he did this just to make a buck you know but he was also coming off of the professional with with the same director so I think I it sounded like He's... they had so much fun doing the movie though some of the behind the scenes stuff they yeah. are cracking up even luke basson said he has five hours worth of footage he can make a movie with zorg uh but but they're laughing through the whole thing so yeah but he says he he said in multiple different interviews that he does not like the movie he does not like anything about it and so it's kind of he said he, he was doing it as a favor to pay back you know he was dancing for his, his dinner kind of thing yeah because uh, uh <laughs> luke basson gave him some money um Ian Holmes as uh, Cornelius, uh, our, our priest, who was uh, one of our hobbits. He sure. was, uh, and so he did an incredible job uh, on this one. He, it's one of those. There's, there's just some great scenes with him, just facial uh, expressions and things like that. I, he's one of those very underrated, great characters in this. Um, then we got the over the top. Everybody's favorite one to to dislike in this is <laughs> Chris Tucker playing Ruby Rod. I thought it was hilarious and and as much as his high-pitched screaming and yelling annoyed me because i don't like those kind of sounds and noises i still found him incredibly fun to watch well i liked the reactions you know you see his annoyance <laughs> and then you see all the adoring fans that are there just like just melting over him and oh yeah and and so to me it was kind of the way they they played off of that how he just kind of ignored them it was all about getting the perfect quote and 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 the recording. You know, then once the mic went off, <laughs> you know, he kind of changed. He's a shock jock for a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things, and 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 he does it so perfect. And, and oh, yeah, he's so even weird. he's whipping his mic around and hitting people off the side yeah. and stuff like. <laughs> oh, that was the 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 stewardess that's standing in the hallway. I had yeah. I had noticed it before, but yeah, he spins around. And she goes flying down the other hallway. I was like, oh damn, so funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love the when he like, <laughs> you know, gets tries to yeah, so much good. Um, he definitely has uh, there's some annoyance factors in it when he's when he's high pitched screaming, but that's just I mean if you're not annoyed by that you're not alive, kind of thing. Like I I don't know anybody who could sit and go oh that's a cool sound I like to hear that, but it <laughs> but it works so well for the character and for him, um, and so is apparently the the. <laughs> The original thought was is they wanted Prince or Michael Jackson to play that part. I saw Prince. I didn't see Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. <laughs> I I cannot see either one of them in that role. 
I could see Prince all. doing it kind of I his own style. Uh, when he's on stage performing, he kind of comes across as such an animated character, but he's singing the whole time. Um, but Michael Jackson, no, I couldn't see him actually emoting a character that, you know. Well, that's that's where uh, Prince to me, like I don't see him being that, like he's more like laid back and, you know, he's not that high energy kind of guy. And that's where I don't see Prince being able to do it. And apparently the reason he didn't want to do the character was that uh, he thought the outfits, the, the, the sketches that they had were too effeminate. Oh, Prince. Prince did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just like, uh, mm, apparently okay. Luke, Luke Besson, when he, when he was showing Chris Tucker, the outfits, he said, he said he started with the most effeminate one, the dress and you know, the one that was just because the one with the roses. And and Chris Tucker looked at it and go, no fucking way am I wearing that or something like that. But it was kind of a ploy just so he could say okay, so they could compromise on the ones he really wanted and stuff. So um, I loved the outfit that he wears at the opera that has like the kind of roses going up the collar and stuff like that. To me, and I was watching it again this time, paying more attention to it. I'm like, it is such a, an effeminate type outfit. But when he's standing there, and I mean, he's got a he's kind of built. And he has this look on his face. You're like, that's a dude just standing in a in a pretty flowery <laughs> dress top. I mean, and owning it. And I was like, that's that's what to me is like cool about it. I was like, he's not playing a, uh, um, for lack of a better word, he's not playing a gay man or anything like that. He's just playing a guy that likes to dress like that. You know, he yeah. still had kind of a, a strong machismo about him. There's a couple of scenes where they look on his face, and, it, and it, to me, it, it made the character even better. And, and, you know, that's looking at it through a lens that's, like, trying to figure it out, not not just, you know. All, all the outfits I saw in this belonged on the runway. You know, the runway where they <laughs> where the, where the models go through, and, and they're always the outlandish outfits. This whole movie was full of that. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Oh, Zorg, especially. So apparently, the 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 wardrobe budget was huge on this. Like they spent a shit ton of money on wardrobe, um, like almost more than special effects. Well, I I know that they they almost didn't get. They decided not to cast. I think they were looking at Bruce Willis and uh, Mel Gibson for the lead. Yeah. But uh, they decided they they couldn't. They were going to put their money towards uh, the, the costumes and stuff. They were actually gonna, mm -hmm. gonna cut out a, um, a Hollywood lead because they couldn't, they wanted to put their money elsewhere. But uh, Bruce Willis said, we'll make it work because I want to do this, yeah. so. Which I think is great because uh, to me, it's like, that's what makes this like, Mel Gibson in this would not have worked. I don't think, <laughs> like, when you look back on it, I just don't see him. Bruce Willis, to me, it's it's his same character from Die Hard. I don't think he has that much range, but he has such great he has such great t comic timing, you know, from back from his moonlighting days, and at, he he's able to put that. He's still you can tell he's kind of he's got the machismo. Uh, so get after up that, at, that, yeah, go ahead, after go ahead. Die Hard, he has never played anybody but. Die Hard. This one is just Die Hard. In <laughs> but space. John McClane, yeah, 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 it yeah. He, yeah. It, it, I mean, I'm sh sure he has, but I mean, yeah, he's very rarely done anything outside. And and yes, and a lot of people well, have pointed that out. They're like, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of range anymore. He does. But, I mean, he's got some great comic abilities, um, but it's, but it works it's in this never way. translated as well to the movies. I know he did like what? Uh, what's the Death Becomes Her with Meryl Streep and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where he was kind of this frazzled, mustached character that 
definitely wasn't a John McClane type. Well, um, okay, look at Sixth Sense. Right, Six Sense. Yeah, well, and that he got kind of Very dramatic chops in there, and that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. So he has him. He just this is this was a character that was perfect for a John McClane in space. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it works. Um, you know, especially with the other character. I mean, uh, Mila Jovovich kills this role. Like she, on by far, it, it just this is the best thing that I've seen her. He ever said he do. looked at like thousands of people and pulled her out, but she was just twenty years old and what she had like she had done Return to the Blue Lagoon, I think was one yeah. of her only movies out. What well, was the days? The and fact that he married her movie. afterwards. Like the fact that they got <laughs> married at uh, why you know, okay, okay. So here's an interesting thing. I, I know I, I I don't know if it just slipped my mind, but I didn't realize that how many times her nipples were uh visible in this this movie until watching it again and then listening to people talk about it. So there's about four different scenes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember. I mean, and I'm I'm usually out for looking for the nipple. So I was kind of surprised. I was well, like, holy crap. They're comically portrayed, you know, where, where Cornelius is, is all bashful turning around. Oh, my gosh, I can't mm-hmm. uh, I can't see this. It's kind of they play I to know. it. I'd like some pictures. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the... I know why I don't remember is because I've watched this more times on TV. Where there it's probably... you go. Yeah covered up and, and hidden oh, yeah. that's probably why i didn't remember as much now i do notice i did remember seeing that the like the stewardess and the mcdonald's girls very very prominent uh like cleavage, cleavage show. yeah <laughs> yeah very very definitely i mean you're allowed and, to show cleavage on tv so that's yeah. left in there and, and it's done very you know they're all kind of dressed like that in in that service i mean you go from the the um secretary of zorg to the lady doing the airport i mean all of them kind of have that same similar outfit and and that's where i think a lot of people were a little frustrated with the way women were portrayed all in that same sort of genre except for for the lead and i yeah i I get that well i think that definitely goes to show why uh you know the the director now uh luke bassan is definitely the the weinstein of france i mean he (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, I it it is what it is. Like some people were talking about, like, like so. I guess the idea now is you got to be a supermodel to work at McDonald's, and uh, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, there's some just great. There's great stuff in this. Um, uh, Luke uh, Perry uh, was sixth build over on this, but he has all of about a hundred words. Um, and I, I I remember watching it, and I was like, it, it just. It wasn't even great. Like they didn't need to put Luke Perry in this. No, like, I know that's almost like that must have been some sort of uh, deal made with someone that was that was financing it, saying, "Yeah, you know, let's get let's get Luke Perry over there from well, he was in Melrose Place, but what was the what was the show? Nine hundred two one zero. Nine hundred two one zero. Okay, precursor yeah, to Melrose it. Place. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was the kid version of Melrose Place. <laughs> I and I remember that that was the first scene, and you know, I I I said earlier I loved loved a lot of this movie, but there was a lot of parts that I didn't think worked. That was one of the scenes that I just thought it's like okay, they're trying to do some sort of take Indiana on uh, on Star uh, or what's the Stargate Stargate. It kind of had that Stargate feel, um, but they've got these these monsters that just or these these robots that <laughs> can't figure out how to move <laughs> you know just, they're just yeah, waddling in retrospect you look back on it and the art direction is really pretty but in, the story makes no sense you know but and and if if that if the whole movie was like that you know i'd rip it apart and you'd pick it apart because it just doesn't engage but there's so many other engaging things that you can get the first it. part is kind of slow and, and yeah. it doesn't fit as well but it it 
it sets the precedence of why why they can go back to that spot. Yeah. And so I, I do like that. But yeah, it is it's the best part of that whole opening is uh the little kid coming in and yelling at Aziz about the light and then the, the, the archaeologist yelling at the, the kid Aziz about the light and he adjusts the plate so the light shines and then Luke Perry writes down, you know, another tick mark for Aziz light. <laughs> <laughs> that to me was the best part of that whole opening. Uh I don't know why, I just thought I was like that that was pretty clever and, and funny and, and enjoyed that. Um other than the, the you know the the stuff on the wall, it really shows kind of it, it per, you know it portrayed what was going to happen. I mean, it tells you the story right there on the wall if you yeah. look for it. Um, so that was kind of yeah, cool. and you get the plot pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was great. Then we get you know they jump forward. You know, I liked all the the early stuff with uh, Corbin too. You know, with in his apartment. Um, you know, we get we get the great scene with the the junkie. I love the fact that he has a cat. Like that, just something about that cat just cracked me up. And you know, it was like one of those moments in there. Like, yeah, you didn't need that in there, but it added something to it that it's just like, oh, I thought okay. it was charming. His mom calls him, and I couldn't, I didn't care for her. Uh, so the voice actor who played the mom, <laughs> it just came across as someone reading lines. It didn't have much uh, character. So okay, if you got a story, pretty I'm, much. No, no, there's no story to it other than the fact that pretty much across the board, whether you love this movie or hate this movie, nobody likes the mom. (laughs) Okay. It's like that is one of the most useless parts of the movie. Like it's not a stale joke. It's like the the screaming mom on the other end. It didn't belong. (laughs) Yeah. And well, and they were like, and she doesn't sound older than him. It just, it was one of those things is like everybody, everybody across the board and I'm with them. I'm like, there's nothing in anything she says that is like interesting at all. And like, like if you wanted to cut some minutes off that this show, that would be the things to cut is the phone call. There's also the other phone call with the the his friend um, Finger. It's like all the phone all the phone stuff is pretty bad. Even I mean even go into the aspect I and mean, we haven't really talked about it, but the the big bad right the Mister Shadow calls Zorg on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like. What? What? He calls him on the f- what? And then he makes like some some black jelly, motor oil, bad blood slip I, out of his head. And, and you notice at the beginning, I, I did some research. Yeah, it on happens that. in the beginning too. The general, that's yeah, he also gets the the goo. And, and there's some theories. It's never really been answered, but like it's like you're the the evil is kind of like gooing out of your head or something but uh yeah there there's been a bunch of people speculated about it but a lot of nobody really was liquid like fear. Oh my God. <laughs> liquid fear yeah. that's what's written here <laughs> and that's a good that's a good i mean i like the idea of that but it's it's one of those things is it's done very subtly in the very beginning like you could almost miss it and then it's done to a point where it's almost kind of like what the fuck why is he talking on the phone and and got motor oil coming out of his hair <laughs> it it's like yeah, I, I, I actually I started thinking about this because people were talking about like the planet being the big bad and all this, and I was like, what would have been better is if they figured out <laughs> the a planet way. Planet being the big bad. Hang on, I gotta make a phone call. <laughs> well, that's what they're saying. I mean, there's, they were saying the planet was was the the big bad, the evil Mister Shadow or whatever was the planet, and he's making a phone call, which doesn't make sense. And I was like, so if they would have found a way to say that, okay. Mr. Shadow, wherever he is, he isn't the planet. He's controlling the planet, right? He's still out there, essentially. Then it would have been that much better. Then everybody would have been like, why is the planet calling a guy and making him bleed out of his head? And, you know, it, it it would have added a little better explanation as to, like, 
why I, why Zorg is working with someone. Like the planet isn't. It's more I, of a weapon rather than uh, an entity. I, I get where you're coming from. Part of me wants to resist that way of thinking, just to kind of embrace the outlandish, ab absurd nature of some of the plot, almost thinking that it was done on purpose. It's like, oh, let's make the planet make a phone call. I mean, it's absurd, but this movie <laughs> kind of basks in the joy of absurdity, you know, and and when it, it I, think it, I think it can sell it that way. Um, if people are really hung up on those plot points, they're gonna find this whole movie is, is not going to fill that void of you're not going to answer that those questions of but i don't think it tries to i think it it I doesn't it, and that's where i was saying is it, it could have been it could have just been that much better it could have added that much more to the story that but, says, but okay, I, i'm just saying that i think there there are places where i would have preferred it gone a little bit more absurd just to kind of embrace it a little bit more the absurdity and it might have been better that way it's it's it, one of the things that I thought the the film did well when it when it was when it was working was the pace and I, this is where I think uh, uh, Ruby Rod uh, really had a, a rhythm to his his presence there, and Luke Besson, you know, he was behind the camera for I don't know if the whole movie, uh, if not most of the movie, you know, running the camera, um, and really engaged with the actors. Usually, a director doesn't doesn't yeah. sit themselves behind the camera, but um, and it shows with a lot of the uh, the wide angle lenses, the the close up shots. It 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 accentuates. It's very visual. It He's accentuates visual. kind of the absurd character. You know these characters <laughs> like like Gary Oldman and that outfit he's wearing and, and his his kind of crazy expressions. And then you get the camera in there real close when he's you know wiggling around and, and it it adds to it. Or the general when it's that wide angle shot on him in horror as the planet's getting bigger and. And uh, it, it adds to the absurdity. It adds to the kind of the kookiness that, you know, it, it makes me think of movies like Brazil or Del Delicatessen that uh, prior to it that really had these kind of style stylized um, character that went along with it, that this was trying to, to mimic or just kind of come with it on, on its own. Yeah, I, I think the visuals are great and stuff like that. I think there's just some points in the story that could have been more rounded out i understand you going more bizarre but i also think that going the opposite direction and, and making them a little bit more grounded could have made it uh, a little bit better movie and also set up for potentially you know a sequel which the way it ends there's not really doesn't make sense which i think his plan was originally to have three movies uh, i don't know if it was all condensed into one or if he just decided not to go on but i it's just one of those things is that's one of the things that a lot of people poke fun at and, and poke holes in. I, I agree with it. Um, one of the, one of the other characters that I haven't talked about yet was was Pre President Lindbergh, which was played by Tommy Lister Jr. I thought that was such a, a fun, cool casting. It's like one of those. He's definitely out of his element. Like he is not a uh, very vocal uh, actor. He's very much a, a visual actor. Like. He played uh, a character that in um, Friday with Chris Tucker, right? Who is very much you? He's just there to be the body that you look at and go, "Oh shit," you know. But he he played in this, you know. He's the president in this, and I thought it was it was well done. It it, it really added to the campiness in it. He, I, he kept that it up. Did, it didn't work as well for me. I, to me, I thought his character was a little distracting. He felt like like he was cast it was like a casting choice let's not cast an actor that knows knows how to 
to create a character. Instead, let's cast someone who's doesn't under, you know, that. That's why I liked it, though, because it's kind of making fun of a president basically as a figurehead that really isn't. He's just kind of an idiot. All right. To me, it just it still didn't work, though, enough to to make it a, a interesting character to. Oh, I didn't say he was great. Like he was a deep character, but I just thought it was kind of funny. It's almost like making fun of the the president role in a way. Like I mean, if you look at all of the other non um, main characters, right? You look at the president, the scientist, the you know the the general that comes in and and visits. They're all very very goofy kind of characters, right? Yeah, they're very sure. one once you know one just shot like there's nothing there's no depth to them they're all about just what they're doing like and they're all kind of weird and goofy that's why i think the president worked really well in that i think the the general works very well in that um you know it's kind of like pretty much all of the characters outside of you know the the priest uh lilo and corbin and and ruby rod are and zord are kind of that way where they're very one one dimensional Let's just have them do this and not really anything about them more than that. I don't know about one dimensional. I mean, I'm thinking of like the doctor who uh, who was talk was just so uh, admiring what you know the fifth element when when she was created perfect, you know, and they kept kept come, coming back to it. And I saw a lot of backstory just in his his delivery of some of those lines. I liked and it was a little off putting, but I, I liked how even in those minor characters, especially when they. Um, also, to me, that was very one dimensional, though. He's very much just that scientist that it's all about the science and all about that one little thing. There was nothing else about him. Okay, you know, that's that's what I meant about one one dimensional. Like the president was kind of that that jokey kind of figurehead. Right. That general was all about like mission, mission, mission. I'm going to get this guy mission. Kind of. That's what I meant, you know, in, in that aspect. All the characters outside of Corbin and and stuff like that were like that. I guess there were rumors. I'm looking, you mentioned something about a, a sequel and the rumors arose after the film's release that it would be followed by a sequel titled Mr. Shadow. But uh, about 10 years ago, Luc Besson said that a sequel is never planned and that he had no desire to make one. Although with Valorian, the the one you were talking about, the... Uh, the uh, in A Thousand Planets or something like that? Yeah, In A Thousand Planets, but the, 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 the comic uh, artist where that was kind of came from uh-huh. making, I think they brought him into this, making this, and then they went on to make that, um, that movie, there was hope for a, for a sequel, although that was kind of a flop at the box office. Yeah. Well, and I could, I, I started I, watching it. I couldn't get through it. That's where, <laughs> see, that's another one where with this one, there was some charm. You were, you were engaged with like Lilu herself. She's so, she's not just this, you know, model that they've hired to play this role. She's funny and uh, and kooky and crazy and and engaging and and got you know put a lot of a lot of uh, training into some of the martial arts that she did according to what I what I read and some of the. Uh, <laughs> so I, I got it. Uh, okay, so um, I'm not saying it was great martial arts. Not martial arts, but I just mean that. So the whole training. big. I mean, she had one real fight scene. Yeah. Um, and and so there's a lot of points where she's kicking people in the face. Apparently, they had an a, a, a grip boy or someone down in front of her with a leg on a stick because she couldn't get her leg up to kick. Ah. That. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, is that where the remember the Zohan uh, joke comes? Yeah, from? exactly. Take so, it, take it, take it, smell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, as much as I enjoyed that scene, when I watched it again, the fighting in that is horrible. It is so Three Stooges. It is that that's I mean, the it, scene where they do a lot of back and forth cutting between the opera and that yeah. scene to kind of give it a little bit more rhythm. So it it. But when you stop and really look at what she's doing, there's so many Three Stooges notes yeah. in that. And and it was funny. I picked up on the fact when she's standing there and she does that kick, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's no fucking way that she just kicked that guy in the face standing where she's standing. I'm like, Zohan, for sure. Like It literally <laughs> was that kind of – and I was like, oh. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. And They show that in the behind the scenes on YouTube. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah, That's they fucking just, hilarious. Yeah. Um I it's one of those things it doesn't ruin it for me but I'm not going to go out saying that she I mean I know later on in movies she trains really hard and does some really crazy cool shit I'm not going to say she was really at her top peak game for this fight scenes um, but I don't think they needed it I, I'm okay with the comedy I mean you have to take this whole movie as a comedy with a grain of salt and 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 for what it is it's it's not we're not trying to rewrite star wars and we're not trying to you know be this epic space drama it it's it's more like a space comedy it it's it's space balls but not so over the top space balls you know yeah. what i mean yeah i remember like what was the ice pirates or some movie yeah <laughs> yeah but this one this one took itself a little bit more seriously with its well i don't know well, it's, it, it's, it it's comedy with seriously. it's hard to... it's comedy with some real good um sci-fi definition like some some good visuals and some and and somewhat of a good story i think the story works um you know everybody's like oh it's too convenient tell me one fucking story that's not too convenient <laughs> everything fucking happens for a reason so when people talk about that oh it's too convenient that he you know they they set up for him to meet her there i'm like if they didn't, there'd be no fucking story. So why would you be sitting here? It's what I hate when people use that argument as, as a bad story trope. It's like, whatever. Anyways, it's, it's, it's a comedy with a lot of good sci-fi into it with some, some serious money into the special effects and, and props and, and acting and stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, but it's, it's main job is still to be a fun comedy sci-fi romp right i don't ever see him i don't ever see them coming out and go oh yeah we're we're trying to be so serious we're trying to be the next you know space drama that you know wins awards for that you know it yeah it, it, it is frustrating when people are, are are looking at a movie and and unwrapping it in a way that was never meant to be presented a certain way you know yeah it's like it's yeah. like dissect it as a drama, it's like, well, this isn't a drama. Look, so, exactly. Yeah, let's not look at it that way. Let's look at it through the lens of, of fashion and, uh, and right. comedy and and character. And it it kills it on the visuals. Like it has so incredible. Like um, just even simple stuff. Like when they're they're uh, flossed in paradise, right? The 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 ship. What you saying? That they flossed in flossed in. I think that's, that's what it's called. That's great because it made me think of Lost in Paradise, but but then it sounded like you said flossed, like like you've been flossed, like you're wearing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, nice. I'm uh, teeth and... The i the idea that I understand behind that was is, is, is it was a ship like built that it could look good on it could look, you know, normal in water, 
or in space. You know, it was kind of like designed that way. And, it, and then they show that picture of it kind of in space away from the planet. And it, it just looks like that. Uh, so much so that my wife, Alyssa, when we're watching that, she goes, well, why did they didn't take a boat to it? How did how they, you know, she thought they was in water at the point. You know, and I was like, no, no, they were in space. She goes, what? It looked, no, they were in water. I'm like, no, it was it was a boat in space with water in the background. And she's like, what? <laughs> so, and, and when I found out that he actually designed that that way, and I was like, ah, oh, that's really cool. And I, I love the fact, too, that, you know, you get inside and they do, it looks like it's a cruise ship. Yeah. It has all the same aspects of a cruise ship. Uh, cool cool uh, thing that, to note, too, is that... Um, they they had that big blow up fire scene um, in the in when they're fighting uh, when the the I can't think of the names of the Mandalores take over the ship and then John's you know he's runner not John God I was going to call him John Dallas was running around Corbin <laughs> Dallas John Corbin McClane. was running around fighting yeah John McClane it was uh, so there's that big explosion apparently that was the largest indoor uh, explosion ever filmed you know for a movie. Um, and almost got out of control. Like the, the, the it, it took like twenty something minutes to fight it. You know, firefighters to put it out and all this oh, stuff like shit. that. But at the time, and it might even still be the the largest fire indoor fire set for a movie. I was like, damn. But I I love. There's something about that whole scene that just cracks me up too. Um, another quick note that I found out later is all of the people that Rudy Rod is pointing out as he's walking in. There's like the the deaf guy that ends up playing a part later the big football guy the the daughter of the so-and-so we're all supposed to have parts all play a part in the big battle at the end but due to cuts it only ended up with the one guy rolling him the two uh snooker balls instead of the gun right which is, it's which is pretty funny i mean like because he's totally deaf and you're like oh okay it it, it plays funny enough that it, it's it's worth it um great i i it's one of those things is once once the diva hits the action in it it just sets off and it's like a fucking roller coaster from that point forward it's just kind of like oh 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 here we go here we go here we go all the way up right till the end where it kind of slows down a little bit but then you get the 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 tense moments but from the time the diva starts singing it is kind of like a little bit of a roller coaster ride for a while it's kind of fun yeah i really enjoy that part um trying to think uh one of the other things we didn't talk about and, and a lot of people uh is the design of corbin dallas's uh i don't know if you call it a room or his home or but it, it's the whole point where the first lilo and i uh, no, no i guess it's the the colonel and then um the uh what did they call oh god there was a name people uh you have the the lady that's standing behind him with the the Princess Leia's buns. Oh right. Where she where they were, they were calling her like uh uh Princess Leia's like if uh, Cinderella had the ugly sister that's uh Princess Leia's uh Cinderella she, ugly sister. <laughs> she looks like the uh the dodge the the woman in dodge the dodgeball. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh okay. I thought the same thing too. But yeah, so we have them and then they end up getting stuck in the the freezer or freezer. What do they die? He opens them up and they're completely frozen. He shuts it and that's the last you see or or do we No, no, that well we that's get... okay. So that's the that's the thing where people are like, "Oh, they he killed him in the refrigerator, but the the colonel shows up later." Okay. There or the general shows up later. The other two don't, but he shows up later, so they don't die. So he doesn't just kill them. 
but yeah, there's that. And then uh, Lilo and, and the priest show up, and he stuffs the priest in the bed and pushes him in and puts her in the refrigerator, and she goes up, and she comes down, and she's, like, soaking wet, which is another nipple scene, right? Uh, we get that whole thing. And then the, the, the priest comes out, and he's, like, saran wrapped to the bed. Yeah, yeah. Which is... I was like, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. But it's it's also kind of funny in a way. You know, it, it's that very, like, slapsticky type kind of things that happen in that point. It's funny to watch movies that try to portray the future that were done long enough to go ago to where you look at some of the technology that they tried to kind of fathom that people would be using. And it's, you know, the fact that they, you know, the, the way they're, you know, they got the phone, you know, on the, on the wall and yeah, so, some of the stuff, this movie, I mean, it goes overboard in the fashion department to where you're not really thinking about that sort of stuff, but it's still kind of, kind of interesting to see these kind of old futuristic movies that, that well, yeah. uh, kind of get it wrong. So you were so talking, yeah, they were talking about that there, there, um, when she's with the priest, she uses like a microwave to, to, uh, cook the little, uh, pellets into a full turkey or chicken yeah. dinner, which is like, oh, okay, that's cool. But it was like, you know, the, one of those uh, old school friggin' microwaves that you probably had in your college dorm. <laughs> and then uh, she's looking at the the computer, and it's one of those those CTR monitors, like an old white Apple CTR sure. monitor, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, what were some of the other ones that uh, they were kind of talking about? It was it was funny, like the phones for sure. You know, that's one. Um, a lot of people were talking to that, like the the cops or the the police officers looked so much like uh, RoboCop, and they had the big helmet thingies, and so it was kind of like. like I was thinking of Judge uh, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah. They they were saying a lot of different things like that. I really liked kind of the beginning where uh, you know he goes out in his cab and and the whole thing. I thought that was pretty funny with the the whole. Uh, you have five points on your license, and then he like rubs up. You have one point on your license. Um, yeah, and then they, they were making so there was one one guy I listened to on a, on a podcast. Apparently, he doesn't like George Lucas. He he really thinks he's a fucking hack. And so one of the points he brought up that this movie came out before uh, whichever one of the prequel Star Attack Wars Attack of the Clones, sure. That has the the Coruscant, and he's like, oh. he fucking ripped that shit straight from fucking this movie because it's it's almost identical in everything that you know jumping from because she jumps off the ledge and you know and you got anakin who jumps out and falls okay yeah the, so that attack of the clones and it's like a, it's also it, a, a like a yellow yeah like a yellow uh cab space. style thing that he's, he's yeah. driving around in. yeah he's like that shit was ripped so fucking and, and it's like and you think about it you're like timing wise you're like oh oh shit yeah like this came out two years before that it's like oh damn like he's got a point i was like oh okay um and as much as as much as I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna shit on the Star Wars prequels. I think they're all crap. I do, I do not enjoy any of them for the most part. Um, I love the Star Wars idea. I love everything you know mostly about it. But I just the prequels just drive me nuts. I no, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, we've had some good things to <laughs> say about the uh, Mandalorian series. So yeah, it's certainly a, a universe that has its benefits. But there's a I lot love of... the universe. Yeah, I really do love the universe. I, those movies just drive I, me absolutely. I actually, bad. I like the stories of the prequels. I think they were really well thought out stories compared to the 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 follow up trilogy. Right, um, which I think <laughs> I agree. I think stylistically, it started off better, but uh, 
or I mean, it it it, it felt more grounded, but the story just kind of went it like they made it up as they went. Whereas those old movies, or the you know one, two, and three, were more political. They were really interesting. They just did such horrible, you know, directing of, of yeah. They, they would. I agree with you. They never cast Anakin right. They you know that's that was just, that's exactly. There's you know. there's a lot of stuff about the story that is incredible, but they just never carry through. I mean, they have some incredible parts to it, but there's a lot of it that's really bad. But yeah, so I I love that scene. I love this whole the whole cab scene. I think uh, it's hard. You know, it's hard to try to look at a movie and say you copied this when you're kind of dealing with the same ideas. If you look at the original Star Wars with the land speeder, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the same sort of style. Here's this floating, floating vehicle. Oh, yeah. No. And, I... and, and so it's an evolution of special effects. But it's almost like the the people that sued Fifth Element that got thrown out recently or, or people that sue songs because they have like oh, some right. notes that are similar. And and it's a yeah, you know, a judge I, I'm or, with you. Or a I, jury that that makes the decision on that, which is just ridiculous. Sometimes I, I, I'm with you 100. percent Like uh, to me, it's like even if he did rip this off completely, right, George Lucas, it's not something that you're going to go sue him about. It's one of those things. Like okay, they, we're at a point now where you can never say that a story or music or art is 100 percent original because. You've been influenced by something. Yeah, you have. Unless you grow up in a bubble and never get, you yeah. know. If, if, yeah, yeah. Now that's not to say that you. It's okay to just go steal shit and like make it your own. Like if you if you draw the same thing that was someone else drew and try to claim it as your idea, or you film something and write a, a movie or a story that's exactly the same story and you just change a couple names or music, you you change a couple beats, but it's pretty damn much the same thing. I'm okay with people like saying, "Hey, that's not cool." But ice ice baby that, is that? That's what you're you're talking about ice ice baby, aren't you? <laughs> hey, hey, step off my vanilla ice. Um, no, but I mean, even I thought that one was kind of stupid. Personally, it's like it's close, but it's like really. I mean, come on, it just. No, but there's it's, that great there's that great audio clip of vanilla it, ice. Like it doesn't go do 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 uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, you, if they if they're gonna take him to court, all they gotta do is show that. <laughs> but it's it's really not that b wrong, anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, influence is influence. You can't get away from it. So to to say you wrote something original, yes, it might have been out of your mind, but you were influenced by someone. Does that mean they can see you? I don't think so. But does it mean that you can say, oh no, I thought about this 100% off my mind? You did, but you were probably influenced by someone. To say that you had no influence would be wrong. Yeah, and that—that's all my thing. And so based on, say, on what those little clips about about why that court case got thrown out, because you know he, he hired these people. To... He hired them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So you're saying that they were influenced by your your writings, and he hired you to that to do that. I mean, it's, it just doesn't make yeah. sense. It, it's yeah. There's it's probably more to it, but. Uh, but getting back to those whole things, I okay. thought that was great. So one of the one of the cool things I learned about it was uh, so the the direction for the animators for the the digital animation or the special effects said, okay, I want this. Everything that happened is I want this one bus in the background to have the name of the the digital animators, like it has like the company's name. Everything else is free flow. You guys can put whatever the hell you want on anything. So. A lot of the license plates have certain things written on them, like like their names of people and things like that. And one of the things is like a, it's a, cause it's supposed to be New York. It says New York, the FU state and <laughs> stuff like that. So there's just all these little cool like little 
Easter eggs inside where the where the animators were allowed to do their thing. And they did a lot of layering. So you look at those cityscapes. A lot of the if you look in the windows, they're actually they did shots. They did scenes of actual footage there and they talked about how long it took to to put all that together and how much shooting it was involved but you can if you go back and watch it you can see all those little things out so anytime that you see a like it looks like real people like on top of a building or in something like that are actually the 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 people that worked on the movie they were they were filmed on top of like they filmed the people and put them in their little shots like that so nice i thought that was pretty cool I enjoyed the 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 chase and the whole police. Like there was just a lot about it that I really thought was really cool. And it's cool. comically fun too. It's not just special effects. I mean that when you know when he when he pulls out and when he, after he loses them and they're all lined up there. It, yeah. I mean it's like Tom and Jerry, but it's but it's 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 comically uh, brilliant. And that's where you know you have the visuals that are that are spectacular but when you can add some sort of uh, comic timing to it and and really sell the scene beyond that this is where i think the movie like valorian or at least what i saw of it failed is that visually it's spectacular but it, it is it has just, a sad story it doesn't I, it's not as strong a story I, I didn't see the whole movie because i just couldn't keep watching it was just it, <laughs> oh, it wasn't that's what i mean engaging. i watched the whole thing because i'm i'm a sucker for shit like that I, okay. I will watch i i i rarely stop watching something even when it's bad i mean that's just me good for but, you but <laughs> um it doesn't have a it doesn't have the story to back it up that it could cuz it does have some great visuals that acting in it isn't as good either so it's kind of it's kind of weird it's it's definitely not as clean as as some of the others um but yeah it, it, he definitely is a visual person and in valerian um the city of a thousand planets has some great visuals and some great artwork and and stuff like that so there's that but yeah it doesn't have the story backing that that fifth element has you know it doesn't have the comedy aspect and it doesn't have i don't think i don't think they spent the money on the actors that have the chops to pull it off too is probably what's the biggest down well the story itself is a pretty big downfall but the 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 acting in it too is pretty bad it, it's it's up there with young anakin kind of it's uh, too bad i remember <laughs> seeing the trailer for it and just being so excited about it uh it looked gorgeous and then it just it is well. It's one of those movies too. Yeah, if you want to just watch for for some great visuals, it, it's it's another one of those. And I'm trying to think. There's another one with um. Oh God, what's the name of um? What about John Carter? That, John Carter. That's another. One that <laughs> that's another one where it, I enjoyed that too. But it's like oh, another one where it's like <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoyed it because I can I can let myself go and I I don't <laughs> okay. need a great story. Um but there's another one that's very similar to that and I'm trying to think of it's the guy from Magic Mike. Um Oh, and, uh, oh, sure, with the Matrix directors. Uh, yeah, uh Wachowski's. Uh I know what you're talking about. He where he has like the cat makeup on and and it's got the the woman from uh, uh, uh she's from in the 70s, 70s show. show. Yeah. <laughs> um Juniper uh uh, Jupiter, Jupiter ascending or Jupiter, Jupiter ascending. Yeah, ascending. Sorry, that's another one where it's one of those ones where it's like I know people shit on that movie and and just give it crap. It, it's got like a five on on uh, IMDb, but it's one of those ones that I enjoy watching, even though I know the story. It, it's up until the very end, like I really enjoy it, and then the story it just it gets way too outlandish but it's like it's one of those like god this has so much potential but then but it you're right so you're right that was kind of like fifth element in that it really went overboard in the style it took it a, kind yep. of a, in the same sort of direction it had a weight to it, it had a uh, it was it took itself 
pretty seriously and it was heavy, whereas Fifth Element uh-huh. was a lot more uh, comically um, driven, you know, to kind of... For, for 100%. I mean, just having Chris Tucker in there as Ruby Rod, you know this can't be taken too serious because it's got to be a comedy. I mean, it yeah. just, that's... I mean, uh, uh, Gary Oldman's character alone and what he's wearing we haven't even talked about okay so there's a very dramatic scene in this with him and the priest where it has some very deep deep um uh what i'm trying to think message that comes across where he's talking about you know you can be all the evil you want and like who's going to be there to save you when he's choking on the cherry pit and he's he's pushing all (laughs) these buttons on and all this shit's going on in his little uh The best way I've heard it described was like a um, stuffed animal elephant come to life mixed with, you know, a cupcake, you know, (laughs) and and some people were like, it looks like the Flintstones uh, cartoon um, dishwasher, you know, that always had the elephant. (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, if little Dumbo got kind of uh, sucked the air out of him, you know. Yeah, so it, it's funny because, you know, that shows up and, you know, he's choking on the cherry pit. And, and it's funny because I remember that so much, like, thinking, oh, my God. Because you look at that little thing, and it's got this smile on his face that you can feel. You're like, oh, my God, it is like a fucking alien elephant puppy thing. And he's with this horrible fucking asshole. And he just, but he loves him because it's his man, you know, it's his, <laughs> his owner. And you're like, oh, it feels so shitty. Um, and there's another scene where he, like, I think he pets it or something like that. But it's one of those things. Is like, it's such a deep um, delivery in 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 the message. You know, he's like, you can be as evil as you want, but who's going to be there to save you when you're choking on the cherry pit kind of thing? And he ends up saving him. But it's like deep meaning. But all the shit that's going around him, you know, he's he's hitting these buttons and it's like his, his press shirts, you know, wrapped in cellophane <laughs> are flying off and his cards are flying out of the table. It's all this Three Stooges shit going on where this, this deep meaning is coming across and you're like, okay, well, how do I take this scene? <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. But I mean, and just the outfits that Gary Ullman wears as, as Zorg, it's just like, oh my God, it's it's so we have one of the scenes we haven't talked about, which I I, I want to hear your take on it, whether or not uh, the 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 mag had the right amount of bullets or not. But the the ZF one, the uh, <laughs> ambidextrous multifunction weapon, <laughs> incapable of being detected by X rays, featuring a titanium recharger, three thousand round clip with a burst of three to three hundred rounds. But and then he's got all these different modes: the replay button, yeah. the rocket launcher, the ice cube system, and stuff. That was, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, that was so there was a, there was a flaw. Okay. There was one Good. flaw. In this That's what I was waiting for because I know when it comes to to weaponry, and it's a filming uh, <laughs> it's a filming flaw, not the okay. weapon. The weaponry okay. was was spot on, and it's actually designed <laughs> off of a real weapon um, that has some kind of uh, multi functions. But when he's shooting the the dummy, uh, he goes to throw the net on it, and it's already on fire. And then they come back to it, and then he he flames it. So there there was a little bit of uh, okay uh, editing errors there. Um, Three thousand round clip that would be hard to fit in there unless it's some kind of super space like energy weapon. I love the idea of the the repeater uh, round where you fire once, <laughs> although exactly. it doesn't have as much of a practicality as like if you've already shot there, you've killed whatever's there. Why hit it eighteen more times? Unless you know, you know what I mean. It's kind of it. It doesn't make sense. Usually, when you're trying to shoot, you're shooting in multiple areas, so you cover a, a spread rather than unless that's a the vulnerable through. spot or something, and you only have like a quick window to to kind of target it. And it's more like a yeah, it, shot to start off. Yeah, it, it 
the area it'd be one of those like if you if you pick a big hole in you know or an area and they all go there I'm glad they didn't cool crack design. open a bottle of beer with it afterwards just to kind of say, oh, and it's a Swiss Army. Oh, my God. That would have no. been awesome. No, that would have been even I better. Disagree. Like, oh, and it's got a, you know, a <laughs> bottle opener. <laughs> that would have been great. Well, the whole – okay, so I do have a big problem with it. Why would you put a self-destruct button on it to, that would blow yourself – that to me is the stupidest thing ever. It's like nobody would design a weapon like that that has a self-destruct button that's kind of in a spot where you might push it accidentally. So – that's that's well, my big flaw with it. Uh, uh, what about like a like a two? What do they call it? The uh, the the poison cyanide tooth cyanide tab. I mean capsule that you kind of keep that you in your tooth. Into. Well, I mean you're you're right. If it's just a button that can be brushed, that's pretty ridiculous. But I could see. And that's what it I was. Could, it was a I, big ass red uh, button. I agree. I agree. That was that is kind of outlandish. But I do see the. I could understand why they would do a self destruct. Right, but it should be a sequence that you have to like right. flip some switches. Absolutely, it, 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 yeah. It, it break was a the little, little cards, the... read off the codes, yeah. have another person. I actually turn your thought key, it. Sir, and... <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it was a pretty cool weapon. I love the fact that it opened up and like fit over your arm. I'm like, that's very futuristic. I, yeah. I'm down for that. I would buy one of those in a heartbeat. I'd be smart enough to read the manual and not fucking push the red button. <laughs> but you know, uh, I actually loved. I love that scene when when the guys walk up and it's it's all the aliens, the Mandalores, and it's got the the kind of guy in front. You know, he's got the very stoic, uh, you know, guy face, human face on it, and then he he shakes it out, and it's the. Guy, I was like that. That to me was just cool and fun. Yeah, you know. And, and uh, you yeah. know the special effects, you know they don't quite hold up to today's standards, but at the time, really, really well, I thought they did. I say they don't quite. They don't quite. Uh, <laughs> no, because like when Lilu's getting all built, you know, when when the when they have the the cells, that's really overly digital. You know, it's it doesn't. And but, I like and I liked it though. I, I to me that was like. Have you ever watched a, like a, a a printer right now, a 3D printer work? I, That's kind of what it is. I get surprised at when I see movies that blew me away 20 years ago and I watch them now and suddenly I'm a judgmental asshole <laughs> that's looking at going, no, that doesn't, I don't buy it. And and it's just because we get a little spoiled with how special I, effects evolve. I agree so. with you. And that's why I was surprised that these kind of held up better than I was expecting. I actually, I know exactly the scene you're talking about because it starts with the, the bone kind of creating out of uh, the glove and then moves up. And I love the fact where it's like, it's printing the both sides of the, the, the slices of her brain yeah, and the yeah, head cool. and putting them together. I'm like, yeah. Now, they weren't the cleanest, like, oh, my God, like, it looks like I'm looking in real life. But I thought it really held up overall. It had an interesting style, though, you know, the, the yeah. way they decided to assemble it rather than it. I, you know, yeah. My biggest problem with that, and, and, and a lot of people brought this up, was is if you notice the, the, the glove that they had the bone sticking out of looks like one of the, the kind of uh, robot turtle duck kind of uh, guy's glove that it's like, well, is is that what's in every one of those? Is is this hot ass chick? And in, in you know, and so be. I mean, if that's everybody was like that they wear. <laughs> so I, that was my biggest problem. What I did think it was cool is if you notice that the glove was holding onto a handle. Yeah. And then later on, when you see the the uh, box that's supposed to have the stones in it, one of the handles is missing. Like she was actually holding the box that had the stones in it. I wonder uh, how the stone, or, but then but the stones ended up in the. But it, she was just holding the woman. Yeah, I know. Oh, you mean the empty, the empty. She box. was holding the empty box. The empty so one, there's right. some, okay, sure. there was some co 
you know, but that's what I'm wondering is like, oh, maybe she was just wearing armor like those guys. It, it's one of those things is it looks like one of them to begin with, but it might not have actually been. So it, it it's, it's back and forth. You know, and it's also you could look at they had technology to take these DNA molecule, or I don't know, whatever it was, uh, and, and extrapolate. But their computers are designed to extrapolate based on understanding of humans. And so True. maybe it was an interpretation of this that still uh, that still met the the fifth element guidelines or you know the requirements but in kind of the form of what the computer extrapolated based on humankind there you go that is probably the <laughs> best explanation i've heard of it yet like everybody else is like oh no, no. Like, ah, i like i agree with you i like it okay i love that scene i think it's i think it's a great scene um, and then the bandages uh, automatically turn into an outfit <laughs> the the thermal bandages yeah i mean look the only part I didn't like about that, and, and people actually praised her for it, was when she starts arching her back and going crazy. I was like, ah, I, I get it, but I didn't. It didn't really. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I, it just wasn't anything. I love the fact that she punches through and pulls the guy, you know, slams his face and then jumps through the tinfoil, uh, tinfoil wall, crawls out, you know, the whole thing. I, I liked all that, but it was, it was just, I didn't like the arching, like why that would, why she would kind of react to that, but. It doesn't ruin it for me. Um, I think she worked great in this. I, uh, uh, Mila Jovovich is is such a great actress. I know I've screwed that name up so bad. <laughs> Steve's just laughing. I, at me. I like it. I, you just got to mumble through it and keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how I do things. That's, that's that's my mo for everything. If I don't know what I'm saying, I just bullshit through it and keep going and hope nobody notices. Um, so uh, I, I mean that's how I do my forms and uh, martial arts and uh, that's how. I, but uh, no, I I think she did an cr incredible job. And uh, one of the things I found out that I thought was very interesting is so when they were dyeing her hair in the very beginning, apparently uh, it fried her hair so bad that she had to wear a wig. Uh, oh no! For about half of the pill. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I was like, oh that sucks. But I mean she she committed to it, and you can kind of see it if you look later on. You can kind of catch it a little bit. But she, I mean, she does such a great job because of uh, the language that there that she's talking, which isn't a, a real language. Apparently, it was a language that her and the director created with over 400 words or just about 400 words that they learned. Ex I mean, they, yeah, they learned would, they would communicate back and forth, like with some messaging. And so that when she's speaking that in that first scene with with uh, um, Bruce Willis, he didn't know what she was saying at all. So she's just spouting that off, and he doesn't know what she's supposed to be saying or what she was going to say. So that's all his natural reactions, kind of. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. For the longest time, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think I ever saw the Resident Evil movies, and, and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't see her in, in much beyond this. But I, I was always convinced she had a foreign accent. I mean, I know she grew up in, in, in Moscow, but if you listen to her in interviews... Well, she during, she was in it during LA. this time. well i'm she grew saying, up in la from young yeah i didn't realize that i mean she has she's completely american accent uh yeah um well i think she i think she moved over here at like eight or nine okay yeah it was pretty it was pretty young hey whoa what's going on oh, what what's, what's the matter oh my my computer's doing some weird shit hey let's pause it real quick i gotta go pee and we're back and you've drained oh. your bladder and I've filled my glass. <laughs> nice. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. So one of the other things about uh, Mila is she actually uh, apparently is fluent in like four languages. So it was really easy for her to learn that new language apparently. And so, yeah. So when she's speaking that it, and that's why it flows so well is it's, it's not, 
like she's just making noises it's actually words and stuff like that they've come up with and i think that it works so well in it it totally reminds me of uh Lodka language and uh in taxi with uh, Andy Kaufman, the, the language he used playing Lodka. Um, so I, I, which I don't know if that was based off. I, I haven't done any research on that, but uh, I have, yeah, I have no idea. What was his character? He, I don't know if that was a real off. To, I'm going to do some research on, on uh, Andy, <laughs> on Lodka to see if that was an actual real, real place. Real language. From. I mean, it's like uh, Borat from Kazakhstan, you know, it comes across as like a, a, a fictional place, but it's a, it's a real place. They, they even got upset that some of the, some that of the he shows that, that, that he kind of parodies uh, their, their culture. <laughs> you know, it's it, speaking of Borat. That's, that's one of those ones is like, I think it's one of those, you either love it or hate it kind of things. And, sure. And, oh yeah. Well, it could rub you um, wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy comedy, but I had a hard time watching Borat. I don't know what it is. There's certain stuff about certain comedy stuff that I just it rubs me wrong like that. that I think stuff. I don't I don't care for it as much when he's being so you know when it it the gag is more about making fun of people in the long run. But I find a lot of his stuff, uh, especially the Borat character that that uh, he it, there's a genuine. Uh, there, there was a scene in a more recent movie, the one, the one that was done during COVID, where he's, he is living with some people, and uh, and you know they're very, they're very redneck, they're very, uh, <laughs> um, they have their own opinions, but they really, it seemed like they had a genuine friendship, uh, even though there was, you know, the joke was on them in the end. It's still, it's still kind of, it felt like he was never really trying to to abuse to my, abuse yeah. that situation. Um, and I, I, that's where I like it the most when he kind of is able to kind of, kind of get that, you know, walk that fine it's, line. Yeah. To me, it's, it's one of those like jackass stuff. I, I never really enjoyed. Um, there's those guys, it's, uh, there's like four guys and they send one guy out to do something ridiculous where the other ones are on headphones with them and telling them to do. Oh, right. I've, I know what you're talking about. Right. Just I don't find that shit funny for the most part. Like ninety percent of the time, and it's it's and that's kind of what yeah. So I I don't know. Anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. Um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> we've covered most of the stuff in this. That's I mean there's there's tons of stuff. I mean we we didn't really talk a lot about the diva and, and her part in it and and him having to dig the stones out of her stomach. There were some people that had they're like. Okay, so you have this other strong female character, and she's just basically there to uh, get punched in the stomach and pull the stones out. And I was yeah. like, "Well, that's that's not that's really punched, what it was." Punctured, punctured in the stomach. Yeah. Well, she. Well, that someone was like, "Oh, he had to punch through her stomach." I'm like, no, she got shot. Yeah. That, that was why she was wounded, and and so I was like, "I, I get it. It, you know, it was supposed to be one of those uh, sacrifice for the greater good kind of." you know characters and i understood that and and i thought you know it worked um i like the idea the design of the stones and stuff like that and in the the idea behind it and how they work and stuff I, that was one of the coolest things to me i remember when i first saw it and they you know he blows on it and the little door opens and and everything i was like oh, oh yeah that's really cool and one of the things when i was doing some research for the drink i found um there's a lot of people that have tattoos of the four stones 
um <laughs> it's in a box and it has like the 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 little wiggly lines and stuff the, you know the straight line the wiggly lines and stuff like that well so, sure i mean they had the tattoos on their wrists for that uh in the i thought that, well he has that belt buckle right yeah so when we first get it i was like and they have that design on them and i'm like that's fucking cool as shit i like i might actually get that i i, I was seriously i was like I'm due for another tattoo. Maybe that might be a cool <laughs> the, one. So I think hers has five lines, whereas the butt buckle and the other ones have four lines. Um, oh, I didn't think about her having one. The ones I've seen have all just been a square with the, just the four regular elements. Well, hers is on her wrist. One. Isn't it a tattoo on her wrist? Um, I have to go back and look at that. I okay. don't know for sure. I just, I've seen but the I think ones she's the got four. the five lines rather than four. Okay. Uh, the, I That's read it, that. I didn't actually see. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't uh, rewatch it to verify, but uh, I, I did read that. Well, I did see ones where it was like the four the four stones kind of in in four corners, and the lines going to uh, like a kind of stick figure looking person in the middle. And I thought that was kind of cool too. Yeah. And I thought that'd be kind of neat. I might I might do that uh, when I get my next one, whatever whatever that next one might be. I have so many ideas for tattoos, and it's just like ah. Uh, I have to pin one down and do it. <laughs> so, well, that, I mean, that's actually my plan. I, um, I got, you know, my one tattoo for our first black belt. So, uh, second degree, I plan on oh. getting another and then third, I'll, I'll continue on. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do just yet, but it, it's coming. Okay, cool. So, be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we didn't really, we talked a little bit about, so the, the, the Ruby rod in the, in the, the women, the the way the the stewardess were were portrayed and stuff like that, it's very interesting because it's very. I can see where people could have a big issue with the way the women are portrayed in that, like especially you know, uh, women looking at like, oh my god, they're just sex objects and stuff like that. Well, although think... although the men there are just as sycophantic as far as how they <laughs> are are obsessed with Ruby Rod, uh, you know. So it's I mean, but the women he kind of comes on to more sexually. Um, yeah, well, I mean, but they also all have the, you know, the the boob windows in their shirts and, you know, yeah. and, and everything like that. And then, but yeah, there's the scene where it's, it, it looks like he's, you know, uh, giving her some oral sex and she's going crazy. And he's got that little <laughs> dildo uh, Qbert hairstyle and, you know, it's his first introduction. Qbert, that's right. That was Qbert. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. I, I, I think it's a, it's a hilarious scene and, and it's one of those things that cracks me up and, but I can see where people could be offended by it, but it's also one of those ones is like, I don't think it's trying to be offensive. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's using the stereotype of, you know, the stewardess kind of they're, they're there to just kind of keep all the passengers happy kind of thing. And, but he's also a, a sex symbol because I mean, you know, they, they are fawning over him, which I don't care who you who you go out and say, oh, that's sexist and bullshit. If it was, if it if that was the case, then why do we see it all the time when there's you know a, a celebrity out there and women are just throwing themselves at it? Like if that never happened, but yet it was done in films, then I'd be like, okay, you got a re reason to bitch and moan. But people are just showing what happens in real life. Not to say that men don't throw themselves at women, but women definitely throw themselves at 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 uh, male. Um, superstars or actors or celebrities celebrities is a, is a better word for it so i i just i but I, it cracks me up just that his whole speech pattern through the whole thing and and that whole scene just kind of makes me laugh uh, uh, it kind of is funny 
I love the fact that you know Ed caught it this time where he's he the one is there and he goes to sign the thing and he turns around and smacks her with his cane and she goes <laughs> flying down the hall. I had never picked that up before, but when I saw it this time, I laughed. It was good. You know, it's funny you talking about this the the kind of the sexism with the the stewardesses and and stuff, and it doesn't bother me too much. But when you talk about how the director turned into a Harvey Weinstein yeah. character, then you kind of go, oh yeah, maybe that was a oh, <laughs> you know, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, it's what I started. I started thinking. I watched it, and it's one of those things. Is I don't remember ever picking up on that before. Like other than the the waitresses or not the waitress, uh, the stewardess. I was like, okay, yeah, they're kind of, you know, their outfits are a little uh, skimpy compared to you know what they probably would be. But you know that also back in the '60s and '70s, that's kind of you know they they that's what they sold. That's how it was. But then it was it, when I watched it this time, I don't remember why I didn't pick it up before, but the chick at the McDonald's, you know, and she's all like that. And then the, the uh, secretary for for uh, Zog, I was like, oh, okay. So all the women are wearing those same kind of tops. I'm like, yeah, he might have been kind of a little bit of a perv. Yeah, but it's funny because a lot of the male characters are very effeminate. You know, even with even even uh, Zorg kind of kind of comes across as oh yeah, uh, <laughs> with this and, stupid goofy plastic head. And the and, you know yeah. the deaf the deaf guy with wearing the dress. Oh right. They, they, you know, here they're these these kind of masculine bodies. You know, dressed up in feminine. Uh, yeah. Go, uh, wardrobe. Um, so. You, you and then and then of course the lead is 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 a woman that so so you look at the mo- movie t- you take a step back and you say well this is someone who was trying to push all these boundaries and kind of throw a lot of like uh, you think it's sexist but what about this and this but but then yeah there is you do look at some of the some of the well, stereotypes yeah. that were were pushed a little bit and and you see his trajectory as a person and as a yeah. kind of a vile human being then, then when you look at it as a twenty twenty the 2020 eyes too definitely bring it up more because it's now yeah so hindsight's on it. I hate judging things I agree in with hindsight. You. I think that's I think that's dangerous because you can always look back on something and completely. I mean that's that's where cancel culture and a lot of people are really offended by how things right. get 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 canceled when you 18 look at 18 years it. ago you said a mean word you're a dick we're canceling you yeah it wasn't a mean <laughs> word then or it didn't come across right. that way it was never meant that way but now it means this and uh right that's that's dangerous but I I but I I get it I get and it makes sense and sometimes it needs to be explored if there's if there's reasons or if there's signs that things are are you know, right treat, even treat be, a person that would, Go ahead. Treat a person how they are now. Like don't don't treat the person who they were. You have to treat them who they are because if that's the case, then you're not letting anybody ever grow. Like you're you're just saying you can never do any wrong. And and those people that are throwing those stones and casting those cancels and stuff like that, let let's dig deep into your shit and see if you've never done anything wrong because that's that's what my biggest problem with it is. But yeah, that's that that's the problem with hindsight is going out and saying, oh, you were this way one time. I'm I'm gonna treat you that way forever I was like well okay well you're a dick now I'm gonna treat you like that forever too hey when did Demolition Man come out because that's another movie that kind of reminds me of this <laughs> in that it's kind of this comic sci-fi uh, and they played a lot with with uh, they and, and you were talking McDonald's and all I can think of is Taco Bell with uh, right they won with, the talk they won the Burger Wars <laughs> so so it kind of had some of the same themes uh, Sandra Bullock was a she was a cop right. in this one so I'm trying to think of how they played with some of the some of the female and male uh, stereotypes um, I well 
He that it, there they would kind of went with the machismo where you had the Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone battling yeah. out and, and uh, Dennis Leary the the kind of the and but Sandra Bullock she kind of played on the sidelines so they didn't really have much of a of a female presence in that movie either. Yeah, I I'm trying to pull it up on DB IMDb but apparently I can't spell. <laughs> What, what are you trying to pull up? Just Demolition Man? Demolition. Oh, when it, oh, when it came out? I think it, I'm sure it came yeah. out before before Fifth Element. It um, was, it's around that time, I think. Um, that was 97. Oh, it's a year before, or uh, four years before. It was 93. Okay, yeah. I just, well, it was funny. I remember when uh, when COVID first hit and the, the, the great uh, toilet paper uh disappearance uh hit everybody was bringing up um demolition man because of the shells do you remember because <laughs> that's one of the because <laughs> right. of the three shells and they were like well, how do you use these and they're like you don't know you know that was the whole the whole big deal oh this but is yeah, weird uh, so i'm bringing up demolition man cast i'm on google you mm-hmm. can do the same thing i'm going through lines and lines of characters they are all male until it finally gets to one was Brandy LaFord. Sandra Bullock was in Demolition yeah, Man, she's right? The, she's the third. She's the third cast. But she's not listed on on uh, Google really? search. On IMDb, she's she's the third one down. Where the hell? That's weird. Oh, now I'm tripping. Yeah, because she was she was literally like they left the, her off. Oh wait, there, that's, no, there she is. Is it the very at the on the the fifth, sixth, one, two, three, four. Five, six, seventh line of six characters. She is in that one. Wow. Yeah, she was like a main character. Google, get yeah, your act together. So here's an interesting thing, just just in case you wanted to know. Jack Black was in Demolition Man. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm not. He he was a wasteland scrap, apparently. So a very <laughs> minor back character. Uh, just, just And he's on the <laughs> second row. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Rob Schneider was in um, there, too. Oh God, that's hilarious! Um, I, Demolition Man is a great movie. I I enjoyed that one so much. But and I, I think it's it was, fair to bring it up because it kind of has that same sort of sci-fi comic. Hundred percent. Yeah, it, it is. And and fast food. <laughs> well, it's funny because they, uh, people were bringing up like, did did Mar- uh, McDonald's actually sponsor this one? And they were like, yeah, they they had to they had to hit back at Taco Bell because Taco Bell came out and Demolition Man is winning the the Burger Wars. So McDonald's had to come out with this one and saying, "Hey, no, 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 we're the ones that are here still, and we're all that matters." You know, <laughs> that's so. true. What year did uh, Demolition Man take place? Because uh, oh, that because this be was like three hundred years later. So, so maybe that's what they were saying is that we, you know, we lasted uh, a century longer. We, finally, <laughs> we came back. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I personally wouldn't want to have either one of them in the future. <laughs> I, I've grown out of my fast food phase. Uh, luckily, I you know I still crave it every once in a while. But uh, McDonald's was never one of my favorites. I did I did think it was pretty cool that everything they did with it. I love the fact that you know they run into the McDonald's truck at the end, and it's just a bunch of pre-made burgers that falls all over the car and stuff like that. Um, just some some cool stuff. There's there's a lot about this movie that's really fun and, and really enjoyable. I, I like I said I I'm really I would really like to know if you do not like this movie at all if you think this movie is completely trash i want to know what movies you do like because i want to know what kind of brain functions going on into you that this is such a trash movie that what is it you consider a good movie yeah i i like i i think there are parts of this movie that don't work but there's so much unique 
and accessible and fun in this movie that every time it, I'm channel surfing, if it's there, I will keep watching because yes, you get engaged and and so it overcomes its own uh, inadequacies, you might say. Um, right in, in my mind that, that that's what that's what floors me is that i mean yeah it's not a perfect movie by any means it's not it's i mean if i was going to rate this on a on a one to ten basis i would probably put it around an eight just as far as enjoyability if we go into like deep story and are trying to like you know yeah it's going to drop but as far as enjoyability and and rewatchable rewatchability oh my god i got the hips <laughs> sucks um rewatchability it is so good as far as like you know it it's it's not a ragnarok yet for me but it you know it's definitely one of those ones that like yeah when you flip through you you stop and watch no but ragnarok um, does the same thing that this movie does and that if you watch all the mc movies mcu movies ragnarok is completely outlandishly unique that yes you, you know you can't you can't i mean it and that's kind of what Fifth Element did. Is it's you you can't cop it. It does, it has a category of its own. How it all works yeah. and why and why we enjoy it. Uh, I, and and that makes it worth experiencing it. And again, like my mother in law, who watched it. Who uh, you know, my my wife said, no, I don't I don't know. But it's just it's 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 worth watching just to experience because you're not going to find that sort of experience with any other movie. Yeah, it takes all those sci-fi movies that we were getting in the in the early '90s and stuff like that, and then adds a comedy aspect to it, kind of like what Ragnarok did with with all the MCU movies, and, and and you know we were getting all these superhero movies, and it's like you know what, let's do this with some some comedy, and, and yeah, well, and art right. direction too, because I think Ragnarok really tried sure. to really tried to go go overboard with the art direction. I don't think Ragnarok was quite as into the fashion as as Fifth Element was. It had some points. It I mean, did. It did. But I'd just be not to, not at the caliber that Fifth Element uh, went. No, there. no. It, <laughs> yeah, it didn't spend its budget on 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 the the different and it, and it went more of a kind of a craziness rather than like oh I'm gonna kind of you know you notice it really Fifth Element stuck to kind of like hey these are fashions that have happened in the past we're we're gonna bring it up again kind of like oh they're cool again yeah like. I'm surprised we didn't see anybody wearing some, you know, uh, you know, bell bottoms in there or something, you know, with a flare top kind of, you know, that that would have been like some like '60s '60s hippie gear. That would have been. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> then again, there might have been someone in the in the in the background like that. We don't know. It, it might have been cool. Um, yeah, I I think this is an incredible movie. I'm glad we did this. I, I definitely am so happy to have bought this again, and I will watch it, rewatch it again, um, probably probably within a couple months i'm sure um nice. now that i don't have cable so i'm not flipping through i don't find it as much and, and can watch it as easy which yeah, is, channel surfing isn't quite the same thing when you when you stream it's everything not, <laughs> it's not and i, I started thinking about that because i've done that where i've i've opened up like netflix and started flicking through and it's like it's not the same as like actually popping into the middle of a show going oh yeah i remember this i'm gonna watch it like you flip through and you go oh i remember that movie well, let's see what else is there <laughs> you know <laughs> It it definitely uh yeah, it's it's definitely different. So um yeah, this is a high recommend for me for sure. If you haven't seen this, if you haven't seen this, I don't know why you're still listening to us. But uh that, <laughs> uh, but if you are still listening, thank you for listening. Um I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this, so so please uh, reach out to us, let us know. Uh if you if you like the movie, if you like what we're doing, what we like what what we're talking about. 
Uh, if you think we're completely wrong on something or you want us to hear us talk about a different show, let us know at at the the dot hwsi dot podcast at gmail dot com or hit us up on our facebook group or instagram anything else to say steve no anywhere that well i I, it sounds like we're going to take a week off because uh yeah yeah definitely we uh we have some stuff coming up that's kind of important so uh yeah we would normally would be back next week with our uh cloak and dagger mcu uh review um with bo and nina but we are going to take a week off uh both me and steve have a very um important test for our our second degree black (laughs) belt uh coming up and so uh i'm also going to be camping all of uh starting pretty much the weekend coming up so it's going to be harder for me to watch even though i downloaded everything on my my laptop i'm gonna try to watch a little bit uh but i wasn't even going to be home until that night so we normally uh record so we're going to take a week off just so that we can you know not stress over some of the other stuff to make sure that we get a good episode out for you guys and then get back to uh get back to it a week later a week later so yeah it'll be cloak and dagger that's available on hulu if you're listening you can uh, check it out on hulu so that yeah. you're ready for our podcast in a couple weeks and you can listen to what we have to say and uh i'm stoked for this one um cloak and dagger to me was one of my comics that i grew up with that i really? was like i really really enjoyed and i really really liked his characters okay so i haven't watched it yet and uh my own you know for me cloak and dagger is uh henry thomas and dabney coleman in a movie back in the 80s yeah totally different yeah i know that's i remember the movie uh yes about you know henry thomas was 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 in et and so he was kind of my uh, my hero at the time when i was a kid you know i wanted my own alien and so if he came out with, <laughs> if if henry thomas came out with another movie i was gonna go see it and <laughs> yeah no this is this is definitely a a cool setup for characters in the in the mcu it was a um they're kind of they were teenagers so, which is was when i was reading them i was i was in that early teen stage so for me the teenager characters really struck a little bit more um they also had when they first started they did some some crossovers with like doctor strange and a group called the power pack which were uh episode or uh, uh, titles that i was reading at the time and i just i just attached to them it's it's a uh, young female uh and a, a young male that get together and they kind of have opposite powers and they just kind of form this group and it was one of those ones is just like I, I so enjoyed it so much that it just it was one of my favorites for sure. And so I was really, really stoked when I saw that it came out and uh, definitely watched it. But I will hold the rest of uh, what I'm going to say for that one. Sounds good. Um, I'm about to start yeah. my free trial of Hulu. So <laughs> <laughs> that was when I let go. So it looks like I'm eligible again for a free trial. I need I need to do that more often. Um, <laughs> I, I realized today when I was listening to someone else talk about it that I still have fucking Discovery uh, as a <laughs> subscribe and I'm like, although I did I did watch something on Discovery that I thought was really incredible and if you're a, a, a sci-fi uh, Star Trek fan, it is it is really fun to watch. It's called uh, Lower Decks and it's an animated series. Oh, it's, it's like little about, shorts, right? Oh, uh, they're like half hour episodes. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it's animated. it's okay. kind of like it's kind of like the they're not the main officers they're the kind of working officers and you know below decks sure. kind of thing. And I remember reading about cool. that when we did our Picard podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I I I enjoyed it. It's it's not the greatest. It's a little Rick and Morty ish and kind of you know a little bit outlandish stuff like that. It's not your hardcore Star Trek, but it has its roots in it. 
Um, so, yep, that's it. That and uh, uh, Ted Lasso season two is out. Haven't nice. started yet, but but that's I'm getting ready for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till they get four episodes and I'm gonna binge those four. So. Sounds good. All right, we'll definitely podcast about that once it's all for sure. All that's a great great show. That's the one I continue to recommend to people when I see them. It's like. <laughs> I know it sucks. It's Apple TV. I mean, you know me. It's worth and, the five dollars. My, my frustration over over exclusive uh, programming, but but <laughs> it's such a great series. So yeah. nice. Alrighty, well that's it for us tonight. So uh, well that's how we seize it. Good night. Good night.